Narcissism, manipulation, toxic behavior, dark triad, gaslighting. They are all buzzwords right now. Do you ever wonder if there's a difference? And if so, what is the difference? In today's episode, I deconstruct my guest's family of origin in a way that will help you understand these questions. I'm Sarah Morales, the host of this podcast, and I want to take just a few seconds to let you know that if you'd like to learn more about these types of things, I'd love to invite you to attend my free workshop, read all about when the next one starts and get the details on my website. And that link will be in the show notes. Today, my guest is Nicole. Nicole enjoys being a stay-at-home mom and raising four wonderful kids. She spends her time volunteering at her children's schools and the local Little League, chauffeuring kids to practices. I so remember those days. Gardening, it changes, by the way. I just got to you know, changes once they get their driver's license. It's so cool. Um, she, she loves gardening, reading, and working on her master's in accounting. Her favorite things are breakfast tacos. Love me some breakfast tacos. Excellent <laughs> movie adaptations from books, family board games, and traveling to the cities. I have to admit, I was really curious. Like, I wanted to ask so many questions. Like, what what adaptations and what board game? Like, <laughs> you really intrigued me um, with your bio. So thank you for sharing that because, again, I love just having guests on where people can relate and be like, ooh, I love adaptations too. Or, ooh, I love board games and places of connections. Thank you, Nicole, for being on my show today. No, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So the word of the day today is toxic, as in a toxic person or a toxic relationship. I like the definition WebMD gave. A toxic person is anyone whose behavior adds negativity and upset to your life. Many times, people who are toxic are dealing with their own stresses and traumas. To do this, they act in ways that don't present them in the best light and usually upset others along the way. So that's the WebMD definition. When it comes to gaslighting, the key is recognizing and understanding the impact of a person's toxic behavior on you, right? So per my definition of gaslighting, your thoughts, feelings, and perceptions are changed due to the other person's influence. In other words, it's possible for someone to exhibit toxic behavior and that toxic behavior to end up gaslighting. And it's also possible for someone's toxic behavior to not gaslight us. Also to note, like in my episode with Kat from last week, a person does not have to be a full-blown narcissist to engage in toxic behaviors. As the WebMD definition says, they may simply be unequipped to deal with their own stresses and traumas. Now, this does not excuse their behavior or minimize the impact on you, but we need to stop doing a broad stroke of labeling everyone with broken behaviors as narcissist. It's not helpful, and it perpetuates fear and shame, in my opinion. So I'd love to invite Nicole to come on and share her story at this point to, to help us understand the difference between when toxic behaviors ends up in gaslighting and when it doesn't. So Nicole, in your story, where did the majority of the gaslighting take place? Um, my mom, probably a lot of it, and then my dad as well. Um. My sister's younger than me, so any of gaslighting she may have kind of done would be more recently. Okay. And I think it's just kind of a 
product of the family we grew up in and not necessarily realizing what she's doing. Yeah. I mean, that's a (laughs) lot. I make up actually the larger majority of people that do gaslighting behaviors are because of that very reason. So I love the way you articulated that. So as it pertains to your family, like you said, you know, most of it was your mom and dad because your sister's younger. So let's actually start with your childhood, right? To me, when when you sent me your notes, like that's the part where I actually do believe that gaslighting did happen due to some toxic behaviors. So, you know, you shared with me that there were some toxic things that you experienced starting at an early age. Would you mind sharing a little bit more about that with us? Yeah, I think it's it's sometimes hard for me to look back and remember all of the behavior because I was a kid and it was just like I was in it, you know, Mm -hmm. but, um, there was just things like we didn't really talk about like sadness or uh, hurt. That was never like a thing that we talked about in our family. Mm -hmm. Um, and there was like a lot of sort of little things. Um, one of the things I know that I shared with you was that like my mom would kind of always talk about how I was really smart and good at school. And my sister was like really creative and artistic. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I got like to an older age that I kind of realized that I feel like she contributed to put kind of putting us in these roles Mm -hmm. from just how she talked about it and played it up so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So are there, and I know you said you can't remember a lot because you were a kid, but you know, as I ask a question, does it, does it spark any specific messages? Right. So like my last guest, Kat talked about how there was this phrase, like, don't be a silly girl, right? Like she just heard over and over again, that kind of influenced her life. Are there any phrases that really stick out to you that pertain to like this kind of pigeonholing experience that you had that you can remember? If not, it's okay. But I'm just curious if you remember. Um, I don't, remember any specific phrases, but I remember a lot of like when, cause you know, parents will kind of brag about, you know, their kids' accomplishments to their friends sure. and stuff. And so whenever she would share our accomplishments, it, mine would always be school related and grades mm-hmm. related. Mm-hmm. And my sisters would always be more like art related or, you know, some of the creative things she was doing and mm-hmm. not any of them, none of hers were school related, really. And I don't think okay. they shared, you know, any of my more creative accomplishments. That's what I was going to ask. I was going to ask if like on the flip side of things, you know, they, they definitely highlighted the things that maybe you were stronger at, right? But did they discourage or leave out the other things, right? Like, did you try to do things creative and they'd be like, well, you know, you're not like your sister, you're not the creative one, or did they actually do things to discourage it? Um, I don't think it was super overt like that. I can okay. see in my sister that they definitely enabled her to not try hard at school. Okay. Um, I think that they uh, enabled behavior where like it wasn't expected that she would get good grades and it was expected okay. that I would. Um, mm-hmm. And so I feel like that probably really hurt her a lot. Um, I don't know that I was directly discouraged from doing creative things, but I wasn't really encouraged to do anything creative either. Okay. And do you feel like you were often um, rewarded with your like achievements per the description of your parents, right? Especially your mom. And I don't like rewarded. So for example, and this, this isn't necessarily a bad thing, right? Like a lot of behaviors in a vacuum are neither good nor bad, right? But when you mm-hmm. add them to the big picture, then they can, you know, contribute to something that is negative. But so for example, like I got money for every A I got when I was younger. 
Like it wasn't, it wasn't a lot, but it was like five bucks an A or something like that. And I was like, Ooh, like A's, <laughs> right? Like when I was younger and needed motivation or whatever, like that kind of a reward type of a thing. Was there, was there any of that kind of thing going on or even maybe like, um, you got more attention or like if that was the only time that you really kind of experienced, like my parents are actually paying attention to me right now, or they're actually praising me right now. And maybe there was void in other areas. And at other times. Yeah, I think a lot of that resonated what you just said. Like we did get okay. paid for A's. Mm-hmm. Um, I think probably looking at my childhood, like especially in relation to my dad, like we weren't necessarily a focal point a lot. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, getting praise for good grades and hearing them like brag about me to their friends like felt really good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there was definitely positive feedback for for doing well and that kind of stuff. And I, I almost think it started in that, like, maybe my sister didn't naturally have the easiest time in school right away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so my mom, like, worked hard to find something she was good that she could praise mm-hmm. her in, you know. But mm-hmm. then it just became so much perpetual that it was, like, that's what she only got ever got praised for. Yeah. I can see that. I can see how that would happen. So – you know, it's one thing again for things just to happen every once in a while, but it's it's another thing when it happens over and over again. And what happens is, you know, we start to kind of internalize these messages and kind of align ourselves with those expectations instead of saying, this is me. And of course, it's just a natural byproduct of me living my life, <laughs> right? Versus I'm getting, you know, attention and love and all of these things from my parent, which is a normal, natural, healthy desire for us to then kind of align ourselves and kind of strive to be that in order to get that from our parents. And then I think there's often a negative side effect to that. And I think you talked about that a little bit in the notes that you had sent me. So what did this kind of pigeonholing message, what was the effect on you? How did that impact choices that you made in life and and those types of things? Yeah. I mean, I didn't really think I was very creative for a long time, Mm -hmm. which like I played in the orchestra for, you know, seven years, all in middle school and high school, which as an adult, I can look back and say like, that's pretty like creative, you know, mm-hmm. like that's definitely Absolutely. more on the creative side than necessarily the analytical side. And so, um, like when I got older and I started like doing things like making, you know, cakes for my kids' birthdays or yeah. crafting and doing fun things like that. And I started to realize, Hey, actually I am kind of creative. Like kind of, I, always thought I mean, I wasn't. yeah. You have an Etsy store, right? Or at least you did for a while, right? Like just kind of, just kind of creative. (laughs) Yeah. And like right now, or, you know, as an adult, I'm like, it would be fun to take an art class. Like I never Mm -hmm. took art ever Mm -hmm. because I always thought I was terrible at drawing, but Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, I don't have to draw. There's a lot of other kinds of art, you know? And so um, I think it probably just limited my thinking about myself and, um, you know, maybe didn't take opportunities I could have taken. Mm-hmm. So for me, I think when we look at this example and, you know, what happened, how it became internalized and the result in your life, per the definition of how I'm trying to help people understand gaslighting, I think that this is an example of when toxic behavior resulted in gaslighting, right? Because if I make up, if you had been free to be you, or even better, like encouraged to explore, like, let's try all the things 
Nicole and see which ones feel really good to you, right? Instead of like putting you on this scholastic vein, right? Which isn't bad, right? It's not like, oh my gosh, it's such an abusive parent. And yet it limited you, right? Mm -hmm. So again, I think if you, if you had been encouraged all of these things, you more likely than not would not have seen yourself as not creative, correct? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And I, I think- feel like also it really hurt my sister a lot too because she never mm-hmm. saw herself as academic. And yeah. I think it limited her um, options a lot as well in that area. Yeah. And I think unfortunately, and, and this is again one of my one of my passions and why I love the varieties of different kinds of stories that I'm bringing on here is because I'm trying to raise awareness. I think this is a really prevalent thing that parents don't mean to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Like we don't, we don't mean to do this thing, but that's not, it doesn't make it okay. Like we need to raise our awareness, right? Like I, I did that for myself. Like I, I put that expectation on myself to raise my awareness, right? Because I can think off the top of my head, um, a former, former client who I'm hoping will come on. Yes. I know you're listening. Um, <laughs> we've actually talked about it where she talked about how she was the pretty one and her sister was the smart one. Right. So she, and, and again, her parents weren't trying to like, or her family wasn't trying to like, you know, pigeonhole her necessarily, but she thought she wasn't smart. She's currently about to become a full fledged therapist, right? Like she's about to finish her schooling. Right. So obviously she's a smart cookie, right? But she didn't think she was for the long, I'm just the pretty one. I guess I just got to rely on my looks, right? Like we don't mean to do this. And yet we have to raise our awareness because that is gaslighting our children. Right. Yeah. So that's a great example. Toxic behavior, not necessarily narcissistic, but toxic behavior that causes gaslighting to happen. So I'd love to now kind of transition into some experiences you've had as an adult where some similar, not similar, but other toxic behaviors from your family of origin um, did not result in a gaslighting experience for you. So I think you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So will you share with my listeners what I'm talking about? Um, So all growing up uh, into adulthood, um, my parents had a group of friends that we would all get together for the holidays, you know, the Thanksgiving and Christmas, Mm -hmm. and none of them ever had children. So it was just me and my sister were the only kids. Okay. And um, it was kind of like a big party. (laughs) Everybody would come over to our house. My mom would spend all day cooking. Mm-hmm. which I realized as an adult was like she kind of almost created that stress for herself mm-hmm. because I, I cooked Thanksgiving one year and I was like, this wasn't that big a deal. What is she always <laughs> using you know? What the heck? Yeah. But she would be like hours and hours in the kitchen and then it'd mm-hmm. always be like an hour too late. And then she'd be like, you mm-hmm. know, oh, I did so much work. And anyways, mm-hmm. so um, while that was going on, my mom was cooking, everybody else would be drinking and usually smoking weed and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like a big party and a get together. And then as kids, me and my sister are just kind of there. Like I, I think we we're kind of like a side note or accessory. Mm. And it really became obvious to me when I had a holiday with my husband's family and his parents were like super involved in my kids the whole time. Mm. And I'm like, oh wow, this is what, yeah. you know, Christmas. What is this is business? Kind of- <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, so you know, Ariel. The, the it's a whole, sorry, I, I was thinking Ariel. It's a whole <laughs> like a, new world. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> right. Like, this is weird. Why, why are your parents <laughs> playing with the kids the whole time? Like, 
Yeah. Actually, that's Aladdin. Sorry, I said yeah. Ariel, but yes, go on. Please, please continue. So, what, um, what happened? You had so this yeah, realization. So parents would all go outside, yeah, and they would, you know, smoke and stuff. And so, my sister and I would have to stay inside. We couldn't be around everybody because we weren't supposed to be around them smoking. Um, mm-hmm. And so, this is kind of how it always was. Yeah. And so, as an adult, we started having holidays at my parents' house, and we'd bring our kids. Mm-hmm. And I like kind of had expressed to my parents, like, I don't really want my kids to be around like a whole bunch of y'all drinking and smoking a lot, you know, that's mm-hmm. not really what we want for our holiday gathering. And they were just like, their response was just like, I don't like, what are you <laughs> like? There's yeah. another way to do this. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah. You know, and my sister, uh-huh. even, you know, as an adult was like, it's, that's what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be just a big party. Like right. it was totally, they were just had no concept that I wouldn't want that for my kids. Right. And it was like, I was weird. Right. Asking that or bringing up that it wouldn't be like a big party where everybody gets wasted. Right. And so I think it's important to to note and to to really draw a distinction between emotional responses and gaslighting, right? A gaslighting experience. So I'd love to know, um, you know, what did these toxic behaviors do to you as an adult with the awareness that you had? How did they impact you? What kind of feelings did you feel, et cetera? Yeah. I mean, I think it makes me really sad when I think about like the fact that it feels like my parents are choosing to party versus mm-hmm. having like interactions, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that makes me really sad. And kind of, like my mm-hmm. kids are here and they're wanting to be with their grandparents, but you're kind yeah. of, you know, putting them in front of the TV so you can do your own thing. Yeah. It's yeah. Like that's sad. Yeah, it is sad. Yeah. And what I want to note is you didn't question whether or not you had the right to have that choice or that it was a valid choice for you to not want that for your kids, right? And that would that's the difference, right? Like being gaslit isn't like being sad or being hurt, right? Those are valid, normal responses and you're not losing connection with, yeah, of course I'm sad. This is, this is not healthy. This is not what's going to make my kids attach and connect with their grandparents and like all of these things, right? You didn't lose that. You were grounded in the fact that I now know that this is not what could be, right? Like I now know that there's more and there's better and there's healthier and it still hurt, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so to me, I think this is a great example and why we want to raise our awareness because when we can see, oh, that's they're trying to gaslight me into accepting that this is the normal when it's not my normal. It might be their normal. <laughs> it's not mine. I'm not okay with that. I don't want that to be my normal. Um, and so I loved that example of you know being able to see that you were able to stand your ground and that this toxic behavior did not result in gaslighting. Does that feel true to you? Yeah. And I think, I think one of the biggest helps is like, and my husband, his family has a lot of gaslighting and it's different than mine. Mm, And I feel like he helps me a lot see the problems in my family or the gaslighting as it's, you know, Mm. occurring or trying to occur because he wasn't, he didn't grow up in that situation. So he can help me see like, Hey, that's not like, (laughs) that's not okay. Right. And, and at the same time I can help him with his family. And so having an outsider, like be present and be on my side and, and, you know, be supportive of me and helping me see those things, I think is one of the biggest, you know, reasons that I have been able to see it more clearly as an adult. Yeah. 
I love that. You know, it's, there's so many different ways. I think that it's important, um, to be able to have, like you said, that outside perspective, whether it's a close friend, whether it's your intimate partner, whether it's a coach or they're like being able to have somebody else who, who didn't have, you, you know, your experiences to, you know, to kind of see our blind spots because we all have them. Mm-hmm. Right. Or to see things where, well, there, there's another way too. you know, you just might want to think about it kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Like, it's so helpful. And I love that, that y'all are able to kind of, you know, be intimate allies that way. I love that picture. I, I talk about that a lot with my clients is that's what we're aiming for with our intimate partners is to be able to kind of be allies and to cover each other where we can't see because we're used to it. You yeah. know, there, there's this, um, there's a, this component to gaslighting where over time we become used to the behavior, we become desensitized to it. So it takes someone who's not desensitized to be able to say, Hey, <laughs> like that was not cool. Like what they just did. Yeah. So I love that. Thank you for sharing that But Um, so I'd love to take this into the deconstruction zone so that we can understand why this first example was gaslighting. And before I do that, I just want to be really clear both with you and my listeners that I think, again, this is an example where I don't, you know, there's so many, so many messages out there. I just read some this morning where just Straight across the board, the definition of gaslighting is when someone is trying to control you and break you and all of these really nefarious, you know, villainous, malicious type things. And I don't just think that that's accurate. I think it's half the story, right? So I don't think that your mom was trying to break you down and control you and form you into, you know, the daughter that she wanted, right? Kind of like you said, I think she saw some natural things in you. It's more, again, about what was missing, that caused the gaslighting experience. It was this missing of the other nurturing around other things. And, you know, honestly, a lot of things that our parents' generation really weren't aware to do with their kids, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So that's one thing that I think that we have that our parents didn't have. So she had some dysfunction, right, as a parent, um, as a person, right? We all all do until we work on it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And these things limited her ability to nurture you. So I don't think you know, it was malicious uh, intent at all. Um, but that being said, she still did do some gaslighting behavior. So, and this is how I think it breaks down. Um, as it pertains specifically to this kind of pigeonholing thing that we talked about, um, I believe it's it's a combination of what I would identify as coercion and brainwashing, which sounds really bad, right? Which is why it's like, oh, people that do get, no, it's, it's like, it's just identifying, understanding the process of something by giving it a name, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so again, like brainwashing is just repetition, saying the same thing over and over again. Um, so how I think this played out is that, you know, unknowingly, she didn't try to do it. She defined for you and your sister kind of who you were. You're the smart one. You're the creative one. That's an identity statement, right? Mm -hmm. And then along with that identity comes expectations of certain behaviors, certain accomplishments, all of these kinds of things, right? So she highlighted those things, which is great. But again, she omitted all of these other things. And so um, I make up that there was kind of um, a changing or ignoring of reality here, right? Because reality is you're a full person. Yes, you're very smart. I've known you for a number of years and you're incredibly smart, but that's not all that you are. There's so much more to who you are, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're an amazing mother, And, you know, 
just a, a creative person. Like I've seen some of the cakes that you've made and like all, all these things, right? Like, yes, like there's so much more, right? So there was a little bit of an ignoring of reality that was happening. Um, because as you said, you're a creative person. Now, maybe not how she would define creative, right? Like maybe her definition of creative is somebody who can paint or draw, right? Is Hers might be a more limited definition of create being creative, but she doesn't get to define for everybody what being creative is, right? So, but that's kind of what she did for you and your sister. And I also think, again, there was maybe a minimization or trivialization of other things that maybe you weren't quite as good at, but still were in your wheelhouse, Mm -hmm. right? And again, what this does is when you combine this with the coercion, right? And so, Um, The coercion part is a little bit harder to see because normally when we think of coercion, we think of somebody like threatening somebody with like a gun or something like that. And it's, it's just really not, doesn't have to be that violent or dramatic coercion basically at its core is just saying in order to get this, you have to do this. Right. And it's simple form. That's what coercion is. If you want, you know, I'm thinking of a lot of things that I, in fact, I've done this. If you want dessert, you have to eat your peas. Kind of a thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's a very like kind of almost innocenty, you know, very 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 small amount of harm, if any, right type of coercion. But that's basically coercion, right? And it has a whole range. So I believe that that some of this kind of, I'll praise you when you do something that fits in line with the definition that I've given you. If you do something outside of that. Mm-hmm. I'm probably not going to praise you or highlight it in front of, you know, my friends or all of these different things that feel good. It's supposed to feel good when our parents praise us, right? (laughs) That's a normal response to have. But because you only experienced it within this definition that lined up with your mom's definition of you, that's where that coercive kind of experience comes in. It's a pressure to continue to live up to somebody else's expectations of you in order to get their approval or love. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Again, if this is the only time that um, a child receives these things, they learn pretty quickly that they, if they want to feel love and acceptance and receive praise from their parents, they better live up to the parents' expectations or they're not going to get it. They're better perform. Right. So um, over time though, what happens is we don't just do this to live up to somebody else's expectations, we begin to assimilate it, right? If we do something often enough, it just becomes a part of us kind of a thing, right? So we're no longer, again, doing these achievements because it feels good to us and it's because it's what we want. It's just, it's just kind of become part of who we are, right? And it's something that we align ourselves with unknowingly, right? So we take on this other person's definition of us. And to me, that equals gaslighting, right? Again, because you limited yourself unknowingly until you grew up and you're like, oh, wait a second, I want to challenge that, <laughs> right? which I'm yeah. so glad you did. I'm so, so glad you did. So that's kind of the, the gaslighting side of things. I want to break down the risk side of things um, because I think it's important for two reasons. I think a lot of people that are listening are in this place where they're trying to identify the gaslighting that may have happened in their life. And sometimes it, it requires us going back all the way to childhood and identifying something like this that became internalized, right? So I want to just continue to kind of highlight some of those things. And then on the flip side, for those of us that are parents, we, again, we want to, um, I'm thinking of that Maya Angelou quote, do the best you can until you know better than when you know better, do better. It's one of my life mantras. I know you know that and that's why you're smiling. <laughs> Y'all I can't see it. but that. 
I used that in a, a paper I just wrote for one of my nice. classes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, but it, it pertains here, right? Like we all, all my listeners, you, me, we all are doing the best that we can when it comes to parenting. And I believe we need to hold ourselves accountable to continue to know better. Right. So as we're learning these things and identifying things that ended up being gaslighting, we ask ourselves, oh shit, did I do that? <laughs> do I because if I do, I don't want to. Yeah. Right. And that's again, that's why I'm so passionate. It's like, oh, it doesn't have to be nefarious. We can do it on accident. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. So let's look at let's look at your part, why you were um vulnerable to this gaslighting. Again, to me, it's very similar for those of you who listened to last week ep- last week's episode with Kat. It's a very similar component, right? So this parent-child dynamic is such a huge and important one, right? Like we know about attachment styles and how that can be impacted by, you know, how we were parented and all of these things. And when it's healthy, it's one of the most beautiful, nurturing, guiding, freeing relationships. When, however, the parent has toxic behaviors or patterns, it can turn what I would consider normal, natural human desires into vulnerabilities for being gaslit. So I just want to identify what those three kind of normal human desires are so that you can kind of ask yourself, my listeners, not myself, you can ask yourself (laughs) whether, you know, do I feel like I can connect with this vulnerability? Not because we try to change ourselves, but because we want to protect ourselves, right? Because if, so these are the three, right? If you have a desire to believe or trust the person, which is normal, kids want to trust their parents, right? If you desire to be seen and understood or experience approval from the person, again, normal, natural, healthy to want that from your parent, right? If you desire to be loved by that person, these things without emotional maturity, which most kids don't have, without self-awareness, which again, most kids don't have, and without that connection to our knowing, it can make us really vulnerable to unknowingly allowing someone else to define us, right? If I want to be loved by you, known by you, seen by you, and you're telling me I'm smart, then I'm going to work my best to be smart because I want to be loved by you. Mm -hmm. I'm a kid. I don't know any better. Right? So as adults, we ask ourselves, am I making myself smaller? Right? This was me, right? Like when I was working on this in my own life, I realized I was making myself smaller. I'm an intense person. I tried to not be so intense, right? Because I was trying to align myself with what I thought other people wanted from me right? Because I wanted to be loved by them because I wanted to be accepted because, you know, right. So we ask Uh ourselves, right. Are, am I changing myself in any way? Am I making myself smaller? Am I trying to like this thing or, you know, all those different kinds of things, right? So the other thing I want to point out about this real quick is again, for those of us who struggle with shame, which is a lot of us, (laughs) I'm not talking about being a perfect parent, right? Having toxic behaviors does not mean I fuck up every once in a while as a parent. Every parent on the face of the earth fucks up sometimes, right? Like we all do. This is not about parenting mistakes, Mm -hmm. right? This is about chronic behavior, right? That ends up turning into gaslighting behaviors. So what did you think about my assessment of like the vulnerability is, could you see how that would have pertained to you in your life and maybe what made you a little bit vulnerable to continue along that path of, you know, just, I'm going to be the best student I can. And I'm going to, you know, yeah, uh, I think 
there's a lot of, um, and not just in this example I shared, but in my childhood, I think there's a lot of me seeking um, approval and attention that probably fed into a lot of um, issues. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, again, it's an, a human thing to want to be yeah. approved by somebody. What we what we want to look for, again, here is, am I sacrificing my truth? Am I stepping out of alignment with who I am in order to have that approval? Yeah. That's the key, right? And that's what we try to work on. Because it's not wrong to want approval. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's normal, right? Like, I want to do a good job. I want y'all to like my podcast, right? Like, <laughs> it's normal, <laughs> right? Like, I want but people to think I'm funny. Podcasting in the podcast just to I get am, more listeners. Exactly. <laughs> I don't, if you don't like it, fuck off, right? Like, <laughs> stop listening. <laughs> no, but yeah. seriously, um, right? like, I want to help people, but I want to help people as me, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to change who I am in order to help people. And that mm-hmm. you're exactly right. And I love that you brought that around here, right? Like, to, to hear right now in this moment, right? Like, approval, wanting approval, not bad, but we don't sacrifice who we are in order to get it. Um, so one last time to kind of wrap this segment up and draw a distinction between the first example and the second example where toxic behavior can either be a gaslighting experience or it cannot lead to a, a gaslighting experience is that even though there were gaslighting behaviors in this second experience, because you didn't change your belief about that being an unhealthy environment for your kids, you were not gaslit. Okay. So, um, what I'd love to do now, uh, Nicole is you kind of wrap this up with a little bit of encouragement. Is there anything you would love to say to my listeners right now? Um, yeah. And I think I've heard one of your other guests say this too, but it's just, I think trusting your gut feeling is Mm -hmm. like such a huge thing. And even just allowing yourself to, if you feel uncomfortable, be curious about why that is and explore yep. that instead of just ignoring it. Because I know that so many times, I mean, probably not until I was like in my early 30s, did I actually start trusting my gut mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a huge one. And then um, the other thing I would say is like, if you're, if the people that are around you are not like being supportive and helping you, like, I've been in past relationships where they have made it more difficult for me with my family situation, mm. like more challenging to see things or just not supportive. And it's just like, that's not a, that's not a person I need to be around. I don't need to surround myself with people that make it harder for me or, um, are not supportive and, and helping me see those types of things. And so I think that I'm very thankful for having found that in my relationship. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that, Nicole. I really appreciate that. And I'm sure that will resonate with some of my listeners. Speaking of um, other people that have been guests on my podcast, if you would like to be a guest or if you would like to submit a question for me, I would love to have you on and or I would love to have a listener Q&A segment. So um, maybe that will just go by the wayside. Maybe that's not something my listeners are are wanting. I'll listen to y'all too. Um, But again, those things will be in the podcast notes, a link for you to either submit a question or to say, hey, Sarah, I want to be on your podcast. I want to have you deconstruct something and help me, you know, maybe have some ahas and some new awarenesses and get even clearer in what's going on in my life. So today for Set Your Alarm, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about this 
this way that our brain likes to connect the dots, right? Um, Brene Brown talks about this brilliantly, how, you know, we'll make stuff up and she calls it SFDs or shitty first drafts. And I, I remember the first time I heard that I thought it was hilarious, right? Because our brain doesn't like any missing dots, right? It wants to connect all the dots in order to get an accurate picture. And so it's normal for us to want to and to feel driven to understand all the things, right? We want to understand every last little bit of what is going on and every last thing. Right? Like we'll watch videos. We'll watch, you know, I'm going to look on TikTok and on YouTube and Instagram and like all the places to get all of the answers, right? But for us, honestly, to get and to stay fully awake, what I want to point out is that we need to be mindful of when that desire to understand all of those things becomes all-consuming, right? Because when that happens, when our thirst for knowledge becomes all-consuming, we're not actually paying attention to the other parts of us. We're not paying attention to our feelings, which is a big part of what we need to know to understand the big picture, right? So you don't have to read every article on all the buzzwords, while it can be helpful, the most helpful thing that you can do is sink inward, right? Whether your potential gaslighter is, quote, just a toxic person but not a narcissist or whether they have full-blown narcissistic personality disorder, asking yourself how they make you feel in their relationship is the truest truth that you can find. So today's tip is to strive for balance in your search for understanding between what is happening outside of you and what is happening inside of you with tipping the scale always in favor of sinking into your knowing. Nicole, thank you again for being my guest today. It's been a pleasure having you on. Thank you. You're welcome. And thank you, my listeners, for listening to today's episode. If you found it helpful, please leave a review and subscribe. And if you think others would benefit from it, please share it. And remember, it's not about becoming who you want to be. It's about awakening all that you already are. And now, once again, because I know so many of you love this song, I've been hearing it over and over again. Here's Not Today by Wendy Chow. We got stars in our eyes like Trying to make